Hi, I'm Kim Chung, and you're listening to Thirst Mag Over Drink podcast. In this episode, I talk to George Schulz, the Asia brand ambassador for White and Mackay, about their latest single malt Scotch whisky, Tamna Wulin. Tamna Wulin used to produce whisky for blending since it was founded in 1966. It retired its stills in 1995 and rested for over 20 years before reopening again in 2007 under a new ownership. It is now operated in its original site in Speyside with a lean team of 12. Including two female head distiller and distillery manager, we will be talking about what led George from being an actor into the whiskey industry, his favorite whiskey pairings and cocktails, how not to be told the right way to drink whiskey, and a few tips for new drinkers. Hi, George. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Hi, Kim. It's、we're, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have Tamna Wulin in Malaysia. Well, let's talk a little bit about yourself. You have been a brand ambassador for White and Mackay for some time. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit journey of yourself getting into the whiskey industry? Because I believe you were not in the whiskey industry before. You were in theater. Yeah, I started my life as an actor. I was an award-winning actor from the Philippines. I have this passion for storytelling and performance. And on top of that, I've always been an enthusiast with a passion for whiskey. So when it came down to White and Mackay searching for a brand ambassador to represent some of their brands that have these amazing stories within Asia. They worked with Emperador, and Emperador found me. And they were very specific about: we want a storyteller who can bring our stories to life. We want somebody who loves whiskey, and we'll start there, and we'll train you from there, and let's create this beautiful relationship. So that's sort of where my journey began, and use my. Training and talent over the last few decades, honing my craft in terms of storytelling to bring these brands to life. Because I sincerely believe that drinking whiskey isn't so much just tasting a liquid, but experiencing an emotion, experiencing a feeling, and a, and knowing that that story carries that through. It sounds like a perfect combination. What's a normal day at work like for you? Well, pre-COVID, you had a lot of me seeing personal clients and doing live tastings and masterclasses, and that was always so wonderful. But today, a normal day of work is a lot of working with my brand team, but mostly online. Here in the Philippines, the COVID situation is quite difficult, and the country in itself is really trying its hardest. But with certain countries in the world, there have been struggles,、uh, and it's it's always difficult. And we all hope to get through this together, but. We're trying our best to make sure that every day through online work, we're trying to put forward and line up with the marketing teams and the brand teams to make sure all the products are well represented. You used to have to travel quite a bit, and now you're unable to. So, what is the biggest part that you miss about your role prior to the pandemic? You know, of course, because that landscape really did just shift, right? You have this personal connection that you're making with people, drinking whiskey, sharing a moment, the virtual connections where you're still able to have wonderful conversations like we're having now. But just that that electricity and dynamic of just getting to meet somebody and getting to know somebody, I feel like that is so much of something I miss. Just watching the expression. On people's face as they try the whiskey I'm presenting, as they as we go through the tasting together, as they experience these flavor profiles, as the personal connections come up and the emotions, these are all things that that I really really miss. So much of my whiskey journey started with having whiskey with my dad. 
So the attachment to whiskey for me personally is emotional. One time in Whiskey Live in Thailand, there was a man who came to the booth. We had Tamnavol and Double Cask. We, we were going through the notes together and he was trying it and I was taking him through the, the set of notes, the, the, the honey, the, the apple, the toffee. He was looking through these and you could see this expression on his face that he was really trying to process what he was tasting and he couldn't, he couldn't quite get it. So I got and reached in for a deeper flavor profile note and I told him about the marzipan that was in the product. And his eyes, I'll never forget this experience and just the feeling of it. His eyes lit up and he had this moment of breath taken away, looks at me and he says, I grew up in a marzipan farm and I haven't had this flavor in years. And he just drank and quietly sipped the whiskey and he kept coming back to try this whiskey throughout the night. And moments like that, Kim, are the moments I miss. That is a wonderful story. I think what always gets to the heart of people is always through our taste and that Absolutely. connects to our memory and then emotion. And in your story, it already tells the all 360 of how it starts and turns out. Tamnavolin only reopened again in 2007. Can you tell us about the history from the distillery when it started until now with its new team? Yeah, of course. I love stories of struggle and triumph. I love when a company doesn't necessarily just off the bat come running. Tamnavolin hasn't always had the easiest time. You know, they opened in 1966 and this was during the post-war boom where there was a upsurge in whiskey popularity. So at this time, Tamnavolin was mainly servicing blends. So there was this overproduction in the market. So in the 1980s to the 1990s, there was a struggle to keep up with that overproduction in the market. That led to the closing of the distillery in 1995. So now we reopened in 2007, but with an incredible plan because of the popularity of single malts coming on the rise. So by the time it aged in 2016, as always with Story Magic, it just happened to line up with the distillery's 50-year mark. So much of that was timing that came through. That's incredible. Can you tell us about the new team that's in place? It's a small distillery with 12 people only, right? Yes, it's actually a distillery led by the distillery manager, Joanne Reedley. Um, Just her and Sam, the head distiller, Sam, that's in terms of the female representation in the market. And then the, the staff, the warehousemen, the day shift, the distillery operators. Very small team, but I think small teams are what lead to passionate projects. So you have everybody with their heart in it. The distillery has gone through a major refurbishment before it reopened. Yep. With the new technology in mind, has any part of the refurbishment integrated any technology or design with sustainability in mind? I'm glad you brought them up. I've had these conversations with Joanne Reedley, the distillery manager, and so much of their shift has actually been to give back to the land. We reopened in 2007 and we did modernize the equipment, replacing things like mild steel, adding one or more of the fermentation vessels to the site. But started in 2018 with this push for more environmentally focused changes, like the effluent treatment plant was significantly upgraded. So that's that water waste that you're having to make sure that whatever water is going back into the river Livet, it's treated, it's healthy, reliable, and sustainable. 
And the site has also been working with the local area to reduce light pollution, things like that, to support the Cairngorm Dark Sky Act, the initiative that is meant to reduce energy wastage and protect local plants and animals that depend on that daily light and dark cycle. So it's really, they have a lot of initiatives that they're really working on because so much of Tamnavulan's belief is that they want to give back to the land and they want to make sure they're protecting the lush greens around them. What is the approach of Tamnavulan in terms of branding and its market segment? Who is the brand targeting it? Tamnavulan's whiskey has a philosophy, which is the approach above all else. When you talk about Tamnavulan, you talk about that double barrel philosophy. And that is so much of how they go about their product lines with this current range. They'll go into a process of double barreling, which start off in an American white oak and transfer into a cask that enhances that and harmonize back in the oak. Because of Tamnavulan's philosophy and the no age statements with saying in Tamnavulan that looks great, tastes great, has a great price. So with that great price comes this opportunity to target the new entry-level single malt drinkers who are looking to upgrade into the single malt region. Tamnavulan is this beautiful entry point because it's a Speyside whiskey and it houses the signature Speyside flavor profile. So you're talking about very sweet, fruity, rich flavors that are easy to try. And for a new single malt drinker, this is something that's your best first step into the world of single malt. Your current range of Tamnavulin expressions very much focus on the wine cask. Can you walk us through the double cask and sherry cask edition? What are they comprised of? Before I do, I always love to take this opportunity, especially for the sake of the new drinkers. There are certain terminologies that they might be not be familiar with. Kim mentioned earlier about non-age statement and why I'm such a fan of non-age statement whiskeys in The modern mainstream market now is for so long, there's been this attachment, almost an intimidation factor that comes with the age of your whiskey. And you almost want to attach it to, oh, if the whiskey is within a certain age, then that's what dictates its quality. And that's not necessarily true. In fact, if we're looking at someone like Richard Patterson, who's this whiskey maker, known as the nose, he said himself that sometimes when he has a liquid that's too old, say if it starts going into the past 30 year range, there are times where depending on the liquid, he'll get a younger liquid of the same make just to put some muscle back into the whiskey. And he'll take a sip of that to get that perfect sip. So what non-age statement really allows you to do is be flexible and really focus on your flavor profile. That's where I want to start before I start walking into the double cask and the sherry cask. The benefit of not pinning yourself into an age so that you have the flexibility of creativity instead of getting stuck in a recipe that sometimes might not work. That's exactly what it is. It's not being locked. It's still, of course, live by the Scotch whiskey regulations. But just having that kind of flexibility to mix old and young and not have to worry age, we'll worry about the taste. You have a good time. So let's go into the expressions, the double cask and the sherry cask. These are the flagship launch of Tamnavulin. The double cask starts off its journey in an American white oak ex-bourbon. And what this tends to do when you start in an ex-bourbon is it implants a lot of those natural whiskey flavors. So you have those sweet notes that come, the vanilla, the caramel, the toffee. And when you carry that through and enhance that, because around 80% of a whiskey's flavor will come from its wood. So much of that is where the flexibility comes in because what are you using? Why do you use the white oak? 
the white oak is actually the tree itself of the American white oak. And part of the popularity is this huge, thick, straight tree. When you have that perfect barrel shape off the cut of the tree, as compared to other trees, which have shapes and curvature, this is able to really create this process of being able to utilize and not waste a lot of the tree to create that barrel. And that barrel has that flavor profile that is just perfect on whiskey. And it goes into this rotation of ex-bourbon. So companies in the States that are by law not allowed to make bourbon with a used barrel, they have to use virgin oaks. So they use that and then they sell it to the Scottish whiskey distilleries. And there's this whole relationship and dynamic of preservation that the whiskey world has with each other. So that starts off in the American white oak, and then it finesses in a sherry cask, an Oloroso sherry. That is where some of the certain sherry notes come in. And that finesses, when we say that, because we're not finishing it there, it finesses for around 18 to 24 months, depending on the climate, because so much of whiskey production is affected by the current climate at the time and what's happening within the landscape. And it transfers back in the American white oak and it harmonizes. So that's that double barrel philosophy and process. I want to talk more about the flavor profile when we're tasting it together. Sure. Next, let's look at the cherry cask, the Time of Olin cherry cask edition. What it wants to do is really focus on that cherry cask story and takes that to the next level. Here, you start off in an American white oak, ex-bourbon, and it transfers into three different cherry casks that really highlight the relationships that White and Mackay have with these Cooperages and Jerez de la Frontera. And you're able to get these beautiful singular notes from each of the sherry casks. One of the sherry casks really hits you with demerara sugar, with toffee. And this is the main note we're going to focus on later on the finish. The Tavasa sherry cask focuses on those spicy apricots, the figs. And the Vasima focuses on the maple syrup, the citrus. When you put sherry, you put it in for that spice, the nuttiness, the cinnamon. And this really takes that story range to the next level. And just like the double cask, we harmonize back in together. That's what creates the sherry cask edition. I know that the age is not the focus right here, but what is the mm -hmm. minimum age of this whiskey? All I can say is you can guarantee that the age is minimum three years due to Scotch whiskey regulations. And that if you want to get an idea is the finessing that it spends on each of the barrels. So that's around 18 to 24 months in each barrel. So that is the biggest ballpark I can give. I must say it gives out beautiful colors in each of these whiskey. I assume they have not added any coloring in it. It's natural color, yeah? Tamnivolin prides itself on being natural, but it is an unspoken rule that is okay. Even by Scotch whiskey regulations, you can add a bit of coloring because that really creates uniformity. Because a lot of people go like, well, is there color there? And I'd love to just be able to dispel the theory that, you know what you should appreciate when there is color? Because that means that the brand was able to create a product that services a more singular aesthetic. I agree with you. Why I mentioned about color, it's because you are using three types of sherry cast there. I'm just trying to imagine the sherry cast must be such deep in color for you to have such a result. Yes, you're right. I think that is a testament to the blenders within the distillery, that they are really working together to make sure they're balancing these three sherries to create a unique and consistent product. And I think that just goes to show even more why there is excitement to be had about Tamnavulan and the price range, because the 12 people that work there put everything they have to bring this forth and to have it look the way it does. I just can't wait to taste them. Are you ready? Yeah, we'll start off with the double cast. If you don't mind, I think I want to take a little bit of time to make sure anyone who's listening 
give them a little bit of the techniques I've developed over the years to best appreciate your whiskey. Would you be okay with that? We love tips. Please share. So I'm going to have you refrain first from going right in and smelling the whiskey. I think what the tendency is you pour the whiskey, you get this immediate sensation and you want to smell. And I want to ask that you hold back on that first, because once you get the first smell and you're not careful with it, you might numb your nose to be able to better appreciate the flavor profile. After all, the ABV of these whiskeys is around 40%, but it's not like a wine where a wine has an ABV of close to maybe 10%. So people are used to like opening their wines by rotating and spinning. But with whiskey, the only reason why you would want to rotate and spin your whiskey is to see what we call the whiskey legs which come from the liquid that's left behind on the glass. And that gives you an idea of the body of the whiskey that you're tasting. So we do that mainly to see the color and to look at the legs. Now, when we're going in for the nose, I think it's very important that we treat our first drink of a single malt, almost like we're treating a first date, getting to know your whiskey. You don't go into aggressive. It's very light, very refreshing. It's just saying hello. So if you'd allow, let's go together. We're going to go from left to right as we take the expression of this whiskey. The reason for that is the left side of the nose is for the creative process and the right side is for processing of that information. A little trick that I have that not a lot of people use, but I learned from a whiskey expert, was that if you actually use your mouth to breathe in at the same time, so your nose is taking in and the mouth is taking in all together, the mouth takes the harshness of the ethanol out so that you're getting a clearer picture of the flavor profile in the nose. And it's less sharp. When I smell this, for me, apple comes right off. How is everything for you so far? It smells toffee very much and some sweetness. That Speyside flavor profile that's coming right through with that sweetness. I see what you're referring to apple, the yeah. very thin fruitiness of it. Absolutely. Now we're ready to taste. Before we start, Personally, I think it makes it easier to line up your palate with a bit of saliva because we're going to be gargling and swirling the whiskey within our mouth. So we're going to take around maybe half a mouthful and we're going to swirl for five to seven seconds. Slangeva. Slangeva. Where we take around half a mouthful and then we swallow. So you'll notice a couple of things. Now there's a bit of spice around your palate. And as much as there's an initial spice, you'll notice that the swallow in itself was smoother of the liquid. So now we have the expression and we can dissect it. It's in the back of the palate. It's over the tongue, under the tongue. It's on the throat. We're really able to analyze these flavor profiles. This has a creamy texture. So there's creamy peaches here. There's pear. There's pineapple. There's demerara sugars. Of course, if you've grown up in a marzipan farm, there's a little bit of marzipan there as well. Every time I taste it, I see this is a whiskey that a new whiskey drinker can start with. I definitely smell the oakiness. Now I get it, marzipan. I've only eaten marzipan once in my life. That was 20 years ago. It was a very unique flavor to me. And toffee sweets, it's got a little bit of creaminess in it. But when yes. you exhale, you, you smell it around your nose. It doesn't go away for a while. Absolutely. I, I think I have a similar flavor profile to you. I grew up in the Philippines. So very Asian flavors are really where my heart is at. 
exactly what you said at the almond, the toffee, those vanilla flavors, that sticks with me too. I always think because there's this big discussion that's always had about whiskey and how do you drink your whiskey? Or do you like your whiskey with ice? Is that sacrilege to have your whiskey with ice? Or what is the best way to go about it? The reality is people in Scotland will say it's sacrilege to have your whiskey with ice. But at the same time, the climate in Scotland is much cooler. So on a night out, it doesn't make sense to put ice in your whiskey if it's already cold. But in Asian climates, like especially in the Philippines, it gets quite warm. So when you're in a night out to tell you not to put ice in your drink, it's quite hard because you do want to have a cooling experience in a night out with friends. I would say with whiskey, especially single malts that have this expression that they've worked hard to create, to best appreciate it, you try it neat first. Once you've done that, you take about a pop of water. This is no more than a teaspoon of water. And that's what you call opening up the whiskey, allowing it to breathe a little bit and getting a slightly different flavor profile. Once you've opened up your whiskey, that is when you start determining whether or not you want to try it with some ice. But do know that the ice will modify the flavor a little bit. Then you try it with ice. That is for me the best three-way prong to be able to try your whiskey. But then from there, if you're on a night out and you do want to create a cocktail, don't feel ashamed if that's how you want to drink your whiskey. I love that you say that, you know, drink whiskey the way you want it because we have grown away from whiskey only being drank in a certain way. And when I drank double cask, uh, remember we're talking about the vanilla, the sweetness. It just reminds me of a cocktail. It would be perfect for an old fashioned because bourbon is great. I know it's the original whiskey for old fashioned, but I find some bourbon are too piney for me. And Mm -hmm. I, I want that oakiness to be a little bit more mellowed and the double cast does exactly that when it comes to a whiskey cocktail for me i always go into a whiskey mule and anything with ginger for me bringing out that ginger even just ginger ale i'm such a sucker for it so yeah just enjoy whiskey don't listen to anyone when they say you're not a real whiskey drinker if you put it in a cocktail it's all right but certain whiskeys like luxury you know we're talking incredibly creative selections that go for millions that is when you maybe don't turn that into a cocktail there are other whiskeys you can use for cocktails but you know if you have something like an entry-level beautifully priced single malt is that it can go on a cocktail if you'd like it to be so. But it's for me, Tam on its own is beautiful enough as it is. Are you ready for the sherry cast? Absolutely. Let's move on to the next. Make sure to get a sip of water first to refresh your palate. Mm-hmm. I noticed that the Tamlin is focusing a lot of wine cast. Is that a strategic decision? When it comes to the decision-making of Tam Nevolen's range, that really comes down to the blending team. So their understanding of the fact that Tam Nevolen's character is very light and fruity, they know that this vibrant space-side spirit pairs really well with red wine. So these casks really is part of their strategy because so much of Tam Nevolen's core belief and their philosophy is how can we enhance the flavor profile of Tam Nevolen and keep that going. And what's exciting to be had is that there are actually some wine cask editions that are set to come out later that are really, really exciting. I'm glad to see that the next few years of Tamna Volen has some exciting new product line ahead of it. So yeah, I'm excited to see the landscape over the next three years. I I understand that you have a couple of new releases, even though we're not tasting them today. Shall we get to the sherry cask? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, well, let's go together. I won't have to teach anymore for those of you at home or we're listening. Well, Kim and I will just have this lovely drink together. Kim, I wish I could share this with you in person. It would be so nice to just have a toast. At least we could like toast each other, like 
you know. I think I'm gonna add that to your earlier question of what would you miss? The cling of the glass on a toast, I think. It feels like it's not really that big a deal, but when you look back into it, it's like, man, every time I've had a toast, it's just a magical moment where you hear that cling and cheers or slangeva. Let's get to know this whiskey a little bit better because this is quite an avalanche when we're talking about the flavor profile of the sherry. On the nose here, you have baked tartatan and the vanilla pod, and it has these nuances of dark fruits and orange, ginger, banana. They like to call it a tapestry of temptation on the nose with the sherry glass. I don't know if you know the brand of cereal called Nestle. No, I haven't heard of Nestle. Okay, it's a cereal, but it's flaky. You add water and milk, and then it becomes porridge. Okay, and that smells like. This. That baked bread quality. Baked that bread. yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. Smells tasty for sure. Banana. Yeah, the banana comes through. Let's take it on the palate now. So we're gonna do around five seconds, half a mouthful. So that's really warm and inviting on the flavor profile. And this is where we call it like an avalanche of exotic flavor. You're tasting everything that the sherry brings. This heightened sherry story. You're tasting that nuttiness, the orange, the sticky toffee pudding, that frangipane. You're getting. These demerara sugars, all these notes that we went through, and on that finish, it's where you get those ripe apricots, that fruit cake. So this is really complex. It's rich, and it's just really beautiful. This is something that my dad and I really share a beautiful relationship with about because as he started introducing me to whiskeys, what we always looked for was, oh my god, is this a sherry? Is this a sherry gas? And when this product came out of Tamnaval, and I brought this home, and I was so excited to open it with him and and have a drink because we both love sherry so much. And it was a wonderful night where we really got to share something beautiful. When was your first time drinking whiskey with your dad? My first time drinking whiskey with my dad. Thank you so much for bringing that up because this is not something I normally want to go into because I get carried away. Because you know, I mean, I have a, I have a good relationship with my dad, and it's part of what makes whiskey special to me. My dad and I never had, you know, I mean, he's a he's a man's man, you know, and I I, I grew up in theater, so our interests and likes were never really easy to find a common ground between. So we didn't really always have a lot to talk about. But with whiskey, this is the first time where my dad and I just really had something in common that we could just really enjoy. So when I was 18 years old, legal age in the Philippines, he had me try whiskey. And you know what? We have whiskey, and we were also celebrating because I finished my chemotherapy for leukemia. I had cancer when I was 16, and I did a two-year protocol. We finished the the treatment and and we finally got that bit of good news that everything was okay, and we, I was cleared to have just a sip of alcohol to start because when you're going through chemo, you can't eat any raw food, you can't have any alcohol, sushi, salad off the table. So when I was finally allowed to have a sip, my dad wanted to celebrate through whiskey, and then that sip of whiskey turned into a, a weekly. Let's have a sip of whiskey because he collected all these whiskeys and he would share different whiskeys with me. Try a sip of this. Try a sip of that. Let's try this with this. Let's try this with that. That's why it was so special to me to eventually work with the whiskey industry because when I think of whiskey, I think of my dad, and when I think of my dad, I think of everything we've been through together and the point we are now, where 
every time I see him, there's always just a little bit of whiskey in the mix and just a sip to try. Sorry if I got a little sentimental there. No, but... actually, it touches my heart a lot because there's a Chinese saying, every family has its books, you know, not every parents get along with their kids. You, no. you don't choose your family, you know, they are there, but you've got to find a way to connect. And your father did. And I'm so glad to hear that you are alive. Went through two years of ordeal. You are here drinking with me. Yeah, that was quite a while back now. But that's why whiskey was just an industry that I was so excited to share my talent of storytelling and tell these stories because it means a lot, you know. And thank you so much for acknowledging that. I do agree with you. And I was afraid for a little bit that would my dad and I ever have these things in common that I see. And the thing in common we had was whiskey. So Whiskey is just something that's not just a drink. It's special. It's able to connect people. And like we've discussed earlier, it can bring out emotions and sense memory. And it's why I love the liquid. Well, now I want to teach you how to say cheers in Chinese. Please do. It's called yam sing. Yam sing. It literally means down your glass. But please don't do that now. <laughs> no, no. I've had some Chinese clients yeah. and every time consistently, they seem to want me to down the glass. So that's probably why. I must say, I, I love the sherry cask edition. When I got this bottle, yeah. it was a weekend, I was watching TV and I just leave it out there to let it sit. So when you're watching TV, you're obviously very engrossed with the story. After one episode, which was like about 30 minutes, I took another sip again and it tastes exactly like how when I put it down. So ever since then, I've called it my commercial break dram. I'm glad you bring that up because not a lot of people look at whiskey as something you can drink casually. But one of our suggested food pairings for the double cask is actually just popcorn to have a movie night where you have that saltiness of the popcorn. I can tell you now that the bottle will disappear by the end of the movie. And for the sherry cask, I will ask that you try it with dark chocolate. Dark okay. chocolate is my absolute favorite combination with whiskey. I think it's spectacular. When you have that dark chocolate with this acidity from the chocolate that brings out the dormant sweetness and pushes that out farther of the whiskey. Because with food pairings, you're always looking for those parallels. What flavors are you looking to bring out? Another brand that I handle is Jura, and we would have you bring out the pineapple qualities in Jura. One of the most interesting cocktails that I saw done with Jura was a cocktail made for one of the events that they infused the bottle with coconut oil. So it was like this coconut whiskey and it was crazy i mean the things people are doing with cocktails so fun well now we have gone through two of the tasting and before the reopening of the distillery surely there was some whiskey left over that has been aged since before the time so is there yeah. any left from the distillery before it was shut which will be made available in the future well there are actually bottles available it's difficult because they're so limited but there are bottles that are available from the time before the site upgrade in 2007 and we call them vintages they are available in just specified markets the bottlings are from 1970 there's 1973 there's 1979 and there is strangely enough a 2000 bottling so yeah they're definitely products from before. They're just really hard to get your hands on because of how limited the selection is. I have such a fantastic time. It's coming towards the end of the session. But before I let you go, I want to ask a couple more questions. Obviously, uh, as a brand ambassador, you get to travel so much. And with your extensive traveling and meeting people from around the world, what would you say is the distinctive difference between whiskey drinkers in Asia, 
in the rest of the world? I would have to say, and this is just on my personal experience based on who I've met and what I've noticed that people look for. There is a distinct popularity of the Speyside region. I understand that. But I notice heavily that whiskey drinkers in Asia much prefer sherry. We'll have a lot of the Asian market and they will say, oh, is there sherry in this? And that's so much of what they look for, that sweetness of the wine. But when you have European drinkers, a lot of the European drinkers look more heavily for peat. So peat is how they smoke the barley and it creates a very, very smoky quality and almost like a medicinal flavor. A lot of the European drinkers look for peat, not so much in the Asian market. So that's one of the biggest differences I've found in the two. One last question um, that I ask every guest that comes onto the show. Of course. If there is this one person you want to meet and have a conversation over a drink, who would that person be? And the question you want to ask him or her in one sentence. Okay, I have an answer. And this is going to go back to my roots of being an actor. Because I would say if I could especially have a conversation over a drink, I would want to have a conversation with Anthony Hopkins. And if I could ask him anything, I would say you have such a storied career. If you could look over that career, the awards you've won, the people you've met, the directors you've worked with, the actors you've taught, looking at your life now, would you say that even at your accomplished point, you still have things that you're learning every day about your career or about your industry? I think that's what I'd ask because I want to know if even at this point, he still feels like he's growing. I hope you get the question to him sometime. <laughs> Maybe really over a drink. Over a drink, if I'm lucky. I hope you get your answer. Thank you so much, Kim. Thank you so much for your time, George. That was George Schulz, the Asia brand ambassador for White and Mackay, sharing with us about Tamna Wulin's Speyside Scotch Whiskey. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Kim Chung and this is Thirst Mag Over a Drink. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for our latest episodes. You can find all the links in the show notes. I'd really appreciate if you can leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcast and recommend it to your friends. Special thanks to Brian Larson for the music. See you next time.